Hey listeners, before we jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to let you know that we're going to do another session of My Audition Appointment, the podcast's four-week online audition and business intensive. We're going to work on and cover everything from on-camera auditions, self-tapes, EPAs, appointments, all things agents and managers, everything you need to know about the actors' union, including joining, and so much more. The intensive culminates in a showcase and Q&A with three previous podcast guests and with some exciting guests popping in the Zoom room along the way. Truly a way to network and learn some more about the business and refine your audition technique because auditions are happening again. Now for more information, head over to the website and click My Audition Appointment. All right, listeners, on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with film and television director Kevin Berlandi. Kevin's career started as an assistant director on mega movie franchises like Transformers, Avengers, Pirates of the Caribbean, and The Bourne Legacy. Other credits include Mike Nichols' Charlie Wilson's War, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, The Island, Fun with Dick and Jane, and so many more. His short film, Hana Sasaki's Tale, adapted from the book Three Scenarios, premiered at the 2016 Cannes Film Festival. Television credits include multiple episodes of Bull and Criminal Minds on CBS. Commercial directing credits include collaborations with Audi, Burger King, Nissan, Toyota, Kia, Buick, and GMC. Kevin's helped to create and shape the Directors Guild of America's effort to increase diversity within the directing ranks of episodic television and is a former co-chair of the Guild's Asian American Committee. Listeners, I am so excited to bring you something a little different this week, a television, commercial, and film director. Now, you've heard me talk how television is what is happening right now. So many of us are making self-tapes for film and television and commercials, so I thought it might be helpful to hear from someone who works almost exclusively in that on-camera medium and has a different perspective than, say, the casting director would. Now, if you've listened to other episodes of the podcast, you know that after casting directors get all of their self-tapes back from either self-submits or agents, they pick roughly about six to eight tapes out of the, I don't know, 40 to 60 that they request to send on to the creatives. Kevin picks up right from that point in the process and explains the collaboration between himself, the showrunner, the writers, the producers to cast those new actors that are appearing in that specific episode. I loved hearing Kevin's process for jumping in and directing an episode of a long-running TV show, and I started thinking that the preparation is not so different from what we should be or could be doing as actors when we have auditions for these long-running shows like Bull. Hearing Kevin talk about his process might give you some new ideas for picking up tone and style for these episodic auditions. Now, this episode I think is super helpful if you're obviously an actor or a director or you work in the industry, but I also think it's really cool even if you're just a TV fan, and let's face it, in this pandemic we have to be TV fans, and want to learn about the fast and furious process of shooting an episodic network TV show. Remember, if you like what you hear, please, please just take a quick second, pause this episode right now, and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really, really makes a huge difference. And if you aren't already, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. We have some pretty exciting supplementary content that we're sharing over there. All right, listeners, without further ado, here is my chat with the kind, funny, talented, and extremely articulate Kevin Berlandi.
thank you for being here. You're a great addition to the to the podcast family. Thanks for having me. So I usually just like to start off with talking about what is life looking like for you right now? You know, for some of the theater folk I talk to, you know, they're hearing some crickets chirp, some pivots are happening, but you are um, in the television world almost exclusively. So has life returned to some semblance of normalcy in terms of work or... Um, you know, I know that you recently worked on the television show Bull. So like what what's life kind of looking like in this COVID world? Is it is it so different? Is it the same? And well, I think in general, um, yes, it's changed significantly. It stayed the same in other ways as well. So in a couple different ways, it's like shows are still staffing directors. It's a little bit different because they, you know, the season of filming shifted dramatically. You know, we weren't cleared. The industry basically wasn't cleared to go back to work. I think until September, if I, if I remember correctly, maybe October, early October. I'm trying to remember the exact. So, and typically, you know, television starts up in, I, I want to say late June, early July uh, for network at least. Um, and then of course, you know, the streamers have all different, uh, shooting schedules, but everything stopped, you know, when, when, when the pandemic hit, it was, you know, full, full on full break. I mean, I, I don't need to explain it to everybody at this point, everyone <laughs> lived it, but, um, and I think at this point now shows are, most of them are back up and running in some capacity. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different depending upon where you're, where you're filming, because if there's travel involved, based upon what state or what country, there's a quarantine uh, period. Um, and then those have shifted too. So, you know, when I went to New York to do um, Bull, there was no quote unquote quarantine period. And then like the day after I got there, they installed one. So, you know, out of due diligence, I, I isolated and, you know, we did all the appropriate protocols. But even without that, most shows are prepping remotely. So as a guest director, I'm not going into the production office on my first day of prep. My first day of prep is mostly Zoom meetings. Actually, I think the first couple of days are are mostly mostly done by Zooms. I don't think I went into the, I'm trying to remember now, it's, but I don't think I, remember, I went into the actual production office until like day four of prep. Most of the scouting is done Remotely, there are a couple director scouts that I was able to go on uh, due to the size of the location that we we're going to. But a, a lot of stuff, you know, being dictated by what's safe in terms of the air volume and how many people you're going to have there. So it's just, you know, it, it's kind of like it depends. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to go scout some kind of small room or something like that, you know, it, first of all, most people will, will tell you not to choose a location that's now small and tight that you can't fit couple people in. right um but so you know in terms of the the flow the workflow it's very much the same we're just doing a lot of the meetings now remotely so production meetings and read-throughs and things like that casting all of casting is is done remotely and that process for that particular show actually didn't change very much most all of it was taped readings or reels depending upon which part you know some parts are offer only some parts actors read for and then there are a couple previous episodes that I did. I think there was one episode where I read 
live two actors just because it was uh, it was a, a young, the role required someone that was young. So typically that means they don't have a lot of acting experience on their resume. And so I wanted to be able to see them live and then be able to give a note or two to see how they'd handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, um, that particular show is a lot of the castings done remotely anyway. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really change very much. Um, in LA, the shows that I've done in LA, a lot more of it's live. Um, there are obviously certain roles that are at a, um, kind of like offer only, but, uh, that was much more of a live prof- process. And for the commercials that I do, that has all gone remote as well. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know, you know, this is actually just me wanting to know, you know, the answer to this question, but a guest director for like an episode of a TV show, let's use bull like as an example, again, you know, in my background is in theater, you know, a lot of people's training programs, if they're actors, whether they're going into television or film, mostly it's in the way theater works. So, you know, we know kind of what a theater director is, but I want to know if you could walk us through a little bit about your job and what you do, I guess, specifically as a guest director, because you're also collaborating with the showrunner, you're collaborating with producers or, you know, I don't, I want you to answer the question, you know, what, and what is it like? Cause, cause those people know the full arc of the show you're coming in for, you know, this, this uh, episode and this like longer arc and, and kind of how you guys all work together and maybe, you know, uh, talk a little bit about how that affects the the casting and how you work together on, on that. Yeah. So you're, you're spot on, you know, you're for a show like bull, which is now in its, fifth season, I think, um, you know, shows established, the look of the shows established, all of the main characters, the, the recurring roles are all established. They have their own storylines and um, arcs and things like that. Um, so as a, you know, as a visiting director, I have to service those properly. You know, I, I can't start making unilateral decisions about, um, character or, you know, you know, just general things that, you know, writers do in their scripts. So I get that blueprint from them. And then there are the guest actors for that episode. So, you know, in terms of casting them, it's a, it's a collaboration, really a collaboration. So, you know, a lot of it's in the script. I, I always go back to the script. And then if there's any questions that I might have about it, you know, I speak to the writer. Um, and of course, the casting director is involved in all of that. So there's, you know, those three points of contact. Um, and then you have, with a show like Bull, you've got to be aware of who's been into the show already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you wanted to try to recast somebody from earlier seasons, are you recasting them in the same role? Or are you trying to say that there's somebody? So there are a couple considerations like that. But it, a lot of it comes down to what the writer's intent is and my ability to communicate which actors I feel like embody that as well as feel to me like I can communicate with them efficiently because someone that's coming in for an episode doesn't have the shorthand that all the recurring actors do mm-hmm. um, and may not understand the flow or how you shoot like the courtroom, the courtroom's its own beast. You know, you've got all of these people in one space. There's, you know, like 15 different eye lines, and there's a very efficient way that that show 
tackles those sequences. And that can be um, jarring for someone who hasn't had to spend three days in a courtroom doing, you know, five or six scenes or eight scenes or whatever it might be. So, you know, you've got to be able to find someone that you can, um, that you feel confident will be able to come into that and hit the ground just completely running and not skip a beat. Mm -hmm. So all of that is um, just basically coordinated by looking at auditions and then having a, oftentimes it's a brief conversation because I find that there's usually everyone's got a short list of people after seeing and they're either the same or, you know, there's maybe one or two variables that are different. And then you can easily get to like, well, okay, yeah, I'll, you know, my number two could easily be your number one. And yes, let's, well, that works. I understand what you mean, but, and it doesn't take a lot. Um, but it's just, you know, the different, the different folks communicating that. And so that's sort of how that works. Um, and then there are times where I, I might find an interesting approach to a scene that's slightly different than what's scripted. And then it's just a matter of having a conversation early and saying, I think there's an opportunity here. Um, and being prepared for them to say, that's not our show. That's not what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having to move on and be okay with it or, you know, have them em- really embrace it. And then at, at that point, I got to make sure I deliver what I just pitched. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's still at, at its core, very collaborative, but yes, I have to service um, that particular show and, and, and what, what they do uh, first and foremost. Yeah. All of that totally makes sense. I mean, it's, it's dependent, like you're coming into a world, you know, that has been pre-established, you know, it's not a world that you create like as a director, Uh, you know, it's a, you're stepping into it and like hoping to maintain it and continuing to tell the story, you know, that they're, that they've already been telling. Um, So it must be, that must be an interesting, um, how do you learn it? How do you like, um, come into a show that's been running for five seasons and know how to do those courtroom scenes. And um, is it just watching like a bunch of episodes of the show or, you know, I'm kind of interested in your process a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a combination of a couple things. So I, I do watch, I watch a ton of content. So when I have an assignment like that, I'm trying to make sure I can um, watch as many uh, episodes as I can beforehand. I also, Typically, we'll have a conversation with the directing producer, who's the director and producer that's on the show for the whole run. And I use them as a resource to, if I have, if I like, if I don't know the show or I haven't watched every single episode. I mean, this might sound crazy, but I have seen every episode of Bull all five seasons. Okay. Um, but uh, if I so if I if I don't, because there are some shows like so I did Criminal Minds, and that's fifteen seasons, and I did. I'll be honest, I didn't watch 15 <laughs> seasons worth of Criminal Minds, but I knew the show. I had seen a lot of the early seasons. And then, you know, I like to be at least aware of, you know, the most recent season. And then I'll ask the producing director, you know, in your opinion, what are like the three episodes that I really need to watch that really embody what the show is? And and then I also will ask if I can read the script for the episode prior to mine and after mine. So if I'm carrying anything through, whether it's just a you know story beat or something that's going to pay off in another episode, 
um, it's good to know because there are moments where I, I feel like if you can add value to the storyline that helps pay it off in the episode, even if I'm not directing it, I want to be able to tee that up for another director. I want to have, you know, make that, that set up and also just service the show that way. And then, you know, a lot of it's just really reading the script, knowing the script, knowing, you know, what's happening and then putting myself in the hands of the crew on a show like bull, they will say, Hey, here's how we do our courtroom scenes. And we really suggest that you do it this way and just know if you try to do something different, you might break the machine. And that's like the last thing you want to do is break the machine. You know, everyone gets used to it, a certain pattern, especially for that show, just like, you know, in criminal minds, there's the, the round table and the jet and there's, you know, you know, the BAU there's, you know, all the standing sets basically of a show. If you go in and try to shoot a standing set differently than the way they do it, I think you're going to find for the most part, you'll, you'll find it. It may not go well, unless of course it's, that's, that's what the episode is about. Like, you know, I'm, there are plenty of episodes of shows where it's like, no, 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 this is how they're going to make this its own unique episode. We're going to shoot this very differently. And then, you know, all bets are off, but yeah, coming in, you, you really want to service what they do in that way. And then, you know, each episode, even in, even in shows like that, where your audience is used to receiving information in a particular way. And I think if you confuse them by presenting it in a different way, it's, it's not good. So what, mm. what we get to do then is set that episode up. So for the beginning of each case or each, uh, you know, crime, depending upon, you know, what the, what that episode is. There's some freedom and liberty into how do we portray that? You know, how are we going to create the that world for that episode? Um, because, you know, for Criminal Minds, that serial killer is different than the one that they had last week. And I need to establish that, that criminal's psyche so that all of their decisions throughout the episode make sense. And so that's where... I basically call it like a short film within the episode. You know, the first three to five minutes of, of a TV show is going to set up the whole episode. And it's a particular world that, that the regulars are visiting or that they're dealing with, whether it's a, a case on bull or a crime on criminal minds. Um, that's where I get a little bit of uh, freedom creatively on how to execute that mm. and bring that to life. And then the rest of the show uh, is about processing that in the world of whatever the show is, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Totally. I- I'm just like curious, this is occurring to me. <laughs> this may be a stupid question. Why do TV shows have different directors for every episode? Like, is it a, is it availability or why it would make sense to me if there was like a director for this season? Do you know, this is like a theater actor just like coming in and, and wondering, you know, Absolutely. why that is. So it depends on the show because if you look at something like Chernobyl, which was, I think, eight episodes, that was a single director. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about network television and it's 22 episodes um, and you're shooting for, you know, n- you know, the actual sh- shooting portion of it is, you know, nine and a half. It's virtually impossible for a single person to do because the episodes overlap. So as while one episode is shooting, another episode is prepping. Mm-hmm. and the previous episode is editing. 
So there's this overlap that occurs in order to be able to churn out 22 episodes in a season. Yeah. That doesn't allow for a single person to be able to, to shoot all of that and then go into posts and, you know, deliver all the, right. You know, our, the, the way TV works on the network side, it would be very difficult to have all those meet air dates and, you know, get out um, on a regular basis within TV season. But that's why you'll see, you know, on, on other, uh, you know, streaming outlets, they'll, they'll drop the whole season. So like a show like Mindhunter on Netflix, you know, they did, I think 10 episodes, but they had three different directors and they did blocks. So they would do like two episodes each, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. So it just kind of depends upon. Yeah how the show is is set up and whether it's a limited series or if it's episodic, but for the most part uh, for, you know, the network side of things, it's, it's an impossibility to have a single person do 22 episodes. Right. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And it's fast and furious. So I, I just want to jump back into self tapes a little bit. So, you know, you're watching a self tape for, you know, say it's going to be the, just this one episode, just the one episode that you're directing. And this person, like this character has something meaty, say they're doing like two bigger scenes or something, you know, it's not, you know, a series regular or reoccurring or anything, but like, you know, they definitely have something to do. You know, is there anything that's occurring to you when you're watching self tapes that is more helpful or less helpful? You know, I know that we can never say what gets someone a job, right? It's aesthetic, it's taste, it's something you respond to. And, but I don't know if anything is maybe coming up for you when, you know, if you've always thought like, man, I, I wonder why actors do this, you know, in self tapes or, or actually, you know, so maybe it's about the tech of the tape of the tape or, or anything, because we are all making many tapes right now. And it's just kind of um, maybe more helpful to know to focus our, you know, our work. Yeah, well, I'll say a few things. And first and foremost is just so you know, we do watch all of them. We get uh, a list that's, um, you know, comprised from the casting director and, and we watch them all. So, you know, know that you're your auditions are being seen. Um, and I know it's like, you know, f- just feel like throwing stuff over the wall and, you know, like <laughs> not knowing whether it, A, has it hit somebody or has it even made it over? Or, um, so I, I, under- I understand that. But I think, you know, aside from sort of the basics, which, I, you know, I feel like at least all the ones that I've seen, everyone understands, which is make sure you can be heard, you know, make sure your dog's not barking through all of it. Um, make sure you can be seen and don't have anything overly distracting in the background. I, I know there are some people who are extremely militant about like, you know, you can't have the light switch in there. And I'm like, I don't care about that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying attention mm-hmm. to that. The thing that really stands out is when, you know, the actor is, is just doing what they do and they're not getting um, distracted by the fact that like they're in their own bedroom, you know, doing it with a selfie camera because they don't have a real camera. Like there's none of that's tripping them up and they're just acting and they're, mm-hmm. they're doing what their profession is. And it's believable. If I can watch self tape and believe that that person is that character, you know, you're going onto my short list because you, you'd be amazed. A lot of people are, are not doing that. Um, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. That's, that's, I think a, a gross misrepresentation. I think, I think it's, 
it can be more challenging to believe someone on a self tape only because it doesn't have all the trappings and the dressing of hair, makeup, wardrobe. And, and it's one of the things that I think though helps us see whether that person has um, the experience and the chops uh, to be able to literally step in, hit the mark and deliver the lines because there's usually maybe one rehearsal or one, one read on the day of the shooting that mm-hmm. we're, you know, that you, as an actor, you're going to get. And we want to have the confidence that you can basically come in sight unseen, hit your mark and give your lines and, okay, got it. Moving on. Kind of, you know, and yeah. I think that expectation is it's a high bar. I try to help that process out as much as I can by, you know, I like to reach out to all, all of the guest actors before they work. It's just a sort of a, a thing that I do. I know a lot of people don't mostly just because of the pace of, of prepping an episode is really challenging. I was like, I would have loved if one of the <laughs> directors I've worked on a show with had reached out to me. That would have been great. Um, so that's great to, you do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I find it extremely helpful to do mostly because it allows the questions or thoughts uh, that an actor might have get answered before they, they come in so that we can have that kind of efficiency of like, get to your mark and do your performance um, and not have to have a long conversation on the day while we're, you know, managing all the different components to have a conversation is, is challenging at that point. And then you're not going to get my, right. the best me because I'm worried about so many other things that are happening at the same time. I like to do all of that in advance if I can. Um, sometimes right. it doesn't happen just because of the craziness of prep, but um, that's one of the things. Uh, but I, I apologize. I, I, I got a little bit off track for the self taping. I think the most important thing is, is, is to just be comfortable wherever it is and to just, you know, do what you, what you, what you guys do, which is act. And, and I think sometimes that, that I see that tripping people up as, you know, this idea that like, well, I'm not, I'm like in my room, like I'm, or I'm, you know, I'm in my backyard. Like, how's this, like, this just isn't, you know, if you can get over that and um, not worry about those things, because I, as a director, I'm not, I'm looking, I'm looking at performance. I'm just looking at your ability mm-hmm. to make me believe what you're saying and, and, and who you are as a, as a character. Yeah, totally. That, I mean, believability, authenticity, you know, sometimes as an actor, you know, you train so much and then all of a sudden it can just go totally, you know, out the window or something when, when, you know, when you're making a self tape. So, I mean, you know, like you said, it sounds, um, elementary almost, but it, it totally is important to hear. And it's important to hear from people, you know, like you who are doing it and on the other side and watching the tapes. Cause I, I understand that there's fatigue, like we're all experiencing fatigue in a very different way than we we had before because listen you know whether you're in new york schlepping on to the train to get across to, or you, we you used to be right to get across town to you know to like to get to the audition or whether you're here in la sitting in traffic on the 405 you know i get like that's but now it's like i'm in the same room all day <laughs> and uh you know i might be doing three or four different reads and you know what I'm saying? So I, like the fatigue can get to somebody. And I think it's important to be able to try to see how, how we can all sort of shed that and um, just, you know, 
understand that we're still doing what we do. We're just doing it a little bit differently. Yeah. I think that goes for all aspects of our life right now. Uh, doing it all a little, just a little differently. Okay. So great. So the self tape comes in. It's awesome. It's authentic. You sign off on it. The showrunner's excited about it, you know, and then the actor or say I show up to set, you know, like I'm there on the day. You know, maybe, I don't know, you can describe or talk about like the ideal actor on set. You know, what are you looking for? What is helpful? What is not helpful? You know, just kind of that that protocol or, or what's, um, what are the kind of actors you like to be with and work with on set? So to back up just a little bit. Yeah. Once we close a deal on an actor, I'll get an email saying it's, it's, it's okay to engage with this actor now. And so what I'll do is oh, cool. I will, um, I'll call them and I almost, it's almost typically a voicemail that I leave because nobody answers the phone anymore and that's totally fine. Um, but I'll call them and I'll just leave a, a very short voicemail saying, I'll be directing you in this episode. I just wanted to make myself available. Um, if you have any questions or want to talk anything through, please feel free to give me a call or shoot me a text or an email, whichever way, whichever mode of communication works best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just always open up the opportunity for dialogue and there are plenty of times, uh, and, and I, and I, I do this with everybody for a variety of reasons, but I'll also, you know, like, and I say this because, you know, I've reached out to, you know, actors who have been doing it for like way longer than I have been directing. And I know are total and complete professionals and I'm, not saying this or doing this because I feel like I'm going to, you know, enlighten them or, or direct them and anything, but I want to let them know that they can approach me and we can have this conversation because I want to have that before we get to set, because mm-hmm. my opinion is by the time we get to set, it's too late. Mm-hmm. There's just too many things that are happening at too fast of a pace to be able to, to address other than the, you know, the basics of, of like, can we try that faster? Can we try that slower? You know, like mm-hmm. I don't really want to spend a lot of time diving into backstory motivation. Um, obviously if someone's getting tripped up and they, they need a little bit more, I'm there for that. But with the pace that television goes at, yeah, I like to try to have all those conversations beforehand. Um, and I, I say this, and in this, at the same time, I also want them to be able to know that I want them to bring what they want first. That's to me, the most important thing is, is give them the opportunity to, to, to do what they do really well. They're professionals, you know, and I, and I think that um, it's a mistake if I'm, tr- if I try to impose too much of, of myself or anything other than without at least seeing what it is that they've prepared because mm-hmm. their audition was great. You know, um, they've won the confidence of me, the showrunner, the casting director, the writer, you know, they've made it that far. There's, there's at that point, you know, like I just want to support what they've already chosen, the choices they've made. Mm-hmm. That's huge because like as an actor, sometimes you know, I'm thinking, you know, what do you want, you know, or what, what can I do? You know, what are you looking for? Or if I'm, you know, say if I'm doing something like bull, it's like, well, how do I 
imitate what I've been seeing in the world around me, um, which maybe is part of it. But I don't know. It's just reassuring to hear you say, you know, I want you to do to bring in and to do what you do. Right. Because, you know, you're a professional and that's what you do. And so that's incredibly liberating, I think, to hear. I think it it might sound oversimplified, but you can tell when someone is emulating and when someone is acting. That's huge. Yes, totally. The thing about acting is, is that it should seem like it's not acting, like it's authentic and real. Right. So yeah. I use that, that, that term, you know, in, in the, in the world of how, of what we do. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of what do I expect from an actor when they get to set? Well, A is, you know, make sure you know your lines. I think that's the most remedial of all of it, but just be professional. I I think, I think if everyone shows up to work to, you know, and is a professional, things are going to go great. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what becomes problematic is unrealistic expectations of sort of how things are going to go. And I think a lot of that just comes with experience. Um, And if you're not experienced, It's so okay. Like our industry is, you know, we thrive off of new, new talent and new energy and and all of that. So if you're not really um, well-versed in what that day is going to be like, call your agent, call your manager, call your friends that are working and just say, Hey, can you walk me through the day? Like like, what's going to happen when I show up? And, and a lot of those things can alleviate the external stresses that don't do anything except deter, uh, deter from what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. If you can educate yourself on that, that's going to help you feel a lot more at ease. And also don't be hard on yourself if you don't know sort of all of the finer etiquettes or procedures or whatever. And just be honest with everyone be like, you know, hey, this, you know, this is only my, my third time or, you know, like, can you help me out? Like, I'm not exactly sure how, what the next steps are. And talk to the production staff and the AD staff and you'll find that most people are really receptive and really helpful. I think you'll find that it becomes more difficult when you pretend like you know what you're doing and it's clear that you don't. (laughs) Right. Yep. For sure. For sure. We are nearing the end of our time. I feel like it's gone by so fast, but, um, but just kind of one question that I love to ask people is, you know, what, what you do is, is a, you know, freelance, director, television, film and everything. And I guess what we all do as actors, you know, we're all kind of networking, looking for jobs, like, you know, kind of going from one, you know, from one thing to the next. So like with that in mind, what is something that when you were, you know, in your young 20s or, you know, really just starting out in this business, you know, what's something that you wish you knew about the way the business operated or worked and it doesn't have to be something that has to do with actors it can be something just about the television industry or the business or networking or do you know really anything whatever comes to mind of something that you're like um you know this is something that i've learned and maybe it would have been helpful to learn the the easy way than the than the hard way i don't know if anything comes up for you yeah no i think the sort of the biggest thing in and I think it's just sort of in anyone's creative journey is this idea of authenticity and being genuine with themselves. And I think mm-hmm. it's easy. It's, it's an easy pitfall to, to, to succumb to of trying to deliver what you think is expected of you. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I think the people that find the most success and continue to have a long career know their voice, know what they do well, and they bring that to the table every time. And it doesn't mean it's the same thing, um, but they bring what they do in a very um, unique way, I think, in, in into each and every project um, that they get the opportunity to be involved in. And I think that was the thing that uh, early on, I, I definitely struggled with in terms of the expectations I placed on myself thinking about what someone wanted of me, hmm. whereas what people want of me as a director and what people want uh, as of people that are writers or actors is their perspective, their point of view, their take on it, because that's really what, what makes all of this interesting. For sure. Totally. Totally. And I said that was the last question, but I have one other quick one because you're so in the TV world and this is just kind of a fun question. What are maybe one, two or three of the best TV shows you've watched or binged during quarantine? You know, in the last year, what are some things that you just really loved that you got to, that you got to watch, um, during, you know, during this time? I'm curious. <laughs> it's, it's a tough question. I, I, I watch a lot. Um, some of the things that, uh, that come to mind and, and you know, I, I'll apologize if some of these are like pre-quarantine, but that's you okay. know, one of the things, one of the things about, about, uh, or I should say pre-pandemic, my apologies. Part of this pandemic actually gave me just a great excuse to not have to worry about how much content I was watching. So it all of it kind of has has turned to mush in my brain. But um, one of the things that I found that was um, really interesting was ep- on Epics, uh, War of the Worlds. Okay. And I've found that a, a lot of people aren't aware of Epics. Um, I don't know why I was. I think, to be quite honest, it was a promo that popped up on my Apple TV. And, okay. Uh, and I got like a free month. So that and I tend to subscribe to everything. So I have like all the streaming services. But Gabriel Burns in it. And it's just this really interesting retelling of um, War of the Worlds. And I, I found it to be compelling and, and good performances. But also, I'm also kind of like a sci-fi geek. And I... I really thought they did a great job with what alien stuff would be and tech and how the t- all the different stuff um, was uh, was was brought to fruition on screen. I thought that was really good. And then um, recently, it's not new, but I recently watched all of Lock and Key just because I'm a child at heart, and I thought that that was uh, a fun watch. Cool. Uh, and. Um, I watched the pilot to Clarice and Oh yeah. I mean, it was advertised on the Super Bowl. Every other commercial was, was Clarice. And I thought they did a fantastic job. Um, awesome. Telling a story from her perspective because it has really been all about, you know, Hannibal for a while. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought that uh, they did a great job and I'm really interested to see what they do with the rest of that series. And then I also I also loved Evil. I, th- I watched I watched a bunch of those seasons while I was, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm here I am plugging CBS, but I I, I tend to watch a, a lot of the, the CBS content. And those yeah. are the ones that kind of kind of stuck out for me. Yeah, cool, cool. Aside from the, you know, I 
I could easily, you know, talk about like the, the water cooler um, shows, but I, I think everyone, you know, like sort of knows that. So I like to sort of yeah. pick from the fringe. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Cool. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for your time and chatting with me because so much of what you said as actors, we don't really get to hear it, you know, like um, so many training programs are not talking about film and television. Um, And if they are, it's not super up to date current stuff. So it's just really, you know, or it's people speculating on what is important and what you should be doing. But that's why in the podcast is talking to the people who are doing it right now. You know, I was going to say in those rooms, but we're not really in audition rooms or, you know, anything, but people who are really doing it. So I appreciate uh, your insight and it was super helpful for me to hear. So I know that it's going to be for other people to hear as well. Awesome. Um, So thank you so much. I so, so appreciate it. You're very welcome. I, I appreciate you having me on. For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Facebook and Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. And again, if you like what you heard, help spread the word and make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode of The Breakdown. Ah!